0: Of the two best SEC teams, Alabama and Tennessee, one is trustworthy and the other is not. Wednesday night was a perfect example of why.
1: You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hey there, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. The only daily national hoop show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us. This episode is brought to you by Fan Dual Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Coming up on the show, we're going to check in on the Indiana Hoosiers with the host of Locked On Hoosiers, Mr. Jacob Rude. But first, let's get to some Wednesday night action, starting with the SEC. And here it is, right out of the gate. I'm going to give it to you as plainly as I can. The Tennessee Volunteers will not make the 2023 final four they've never made one before and this year will not be the first legitimately you will if you see any final four picks that I make this year you will not see a big orange T in any of them legitimately Tennessee could go undefeated the rest of the regular season they could win the SEC tournament title I don't care I don't care how stout this defense is and boy, it is stout. The number one defense in the nation. I don't care that they're currently sixth in the AP poll. I don't care how high they are at Ken Palm or in the net or at Torvik and they're top three in all of those. What's the problem? This offense, it just simply cannot support this team for four wins in a row. It's not capable of doing that. It's not proven to me all season long that it can, and there's no reason to start believing that it will now. And before anyone even says it, no, this is not a knee-jerk reaction to Wednesday night's buzzer-beating 66-65 loss at Vanderbilt, although that certainly doesn't help matters. I, I, I wrote this note as the game was still very much in doubt don't trust Tennessee, regardless of if they come back. It's like, you ever seen the movie Memento, one of Christopher Nolan's first movies where the guy has short-term memory loss, and so he just writes stuff all over his body. He's like, don't trust whomever. It's like, I wrote that note to myself. I don't care. Or a draft day where Kevin Costner is like, no matter what, this is the guy I want, right? Like, this is the deal. Don't trust Tennessee. I don't care how they try to trick you the rest of the season. Do not trust them. Now, on the flip side of this conversation, Alabama continues to be insanely impressive to me. They have now won, after just kind of having their way with Florida on on Wednesday night, they have now won 12 of 13. They're undefeated in SEC play, 11 and 0. Of those past 12 wins, 12 of the last 13 games, 11 of them have been by double digits. 21 wins they have this entire season. 17 of them have been by double digits. Yes, you're hearing me correctly. Alabama has won 21 games, and only four of them have been by single-digit margins. They are just destroying their opponents. And it's not like they're playing slot. Like You might hear that and think, oh, well, they must have played a a weak non-conference schedule. Maybe they've lucked out in who they've played in SEC play. Don't want to hear that noise. Here's why. They're not playing slouches. Let's go by some, some Ken Palm numbers. They are their, their non conference schedule, Alabama's, was seventh, seventh ranked non conference schedule at Ken Palm uh, in terms of strength of schedule. Excuse me. You know how many other high major teams are in the top 10 in that? Zero. North Carolina is the next closest at 15 in terms of non conference strength of schedule. Alabama was right there in the non con. And it's not like they've fallen off since entering conference play. I know the Big 12 is the best conference, but their their entire strength of schedule is 10th in the nation. So Alabama is killing teams, and they're killing really good teams. Take this team, and you trust them. On the other side of the SEC ledger, do not trust the Tennessee Volunteers. Alabama, yes. Tennessee no you with me good so if you're filling out a bracket and someone asks you hey uh Jimmy we'll make that your name dear listener <laughs> hey Jimmy which of these two top SEC teams that's never been to the final four before should I advance in my bracket Tennessee or Alabama you know the right answer and don't you dare question it now of course watch uh, you know how it's gonna end up going now and and please come back and find me at that point because I deserve it but Hear me. Now, the good news we are a week away next Wednesday night. Alabama travels to Knoxville, Alabama at Tennessee, their one and only regular season matchup this season, unfortunately. But keep in mind no, a Tennessee win that night does not validate them. I'm going to keep saying that until I'm blue in the face. Don't trust Tennessee. Okay, very good. A couple other quick things from Wednesday night before we get to talking about Indiana. Uh, number three, Alabama was not the only top team to just have an absolute blowout on Wednesday. Number two, Houston did their own work. And I don't want to miss this. Like, they played Tulsa, who, bless their heart, is just, they're just playing bad. Houston wins 80-42, to all the same. Here's why I want to talk about it. Houston ends the first half on a 39-8 to run. Yeah, you heard me right, 39-8 to run. And perhaps the even more astonishing statistical reason I I bring this game up, Marcus Sasser at halftime, Marcus Sasser 19, Tulsa 18. That's right. Marcus Sasser outscored the entire Tulsa roster in the first half of this game. And then Houston, uh, cruises on in home, no problems there. So, uh, Houston alive and well and kicking in the AAC couple other quick results from Wednesday night. Uh, um, Tennessee was not the only top. 15 team to fall number 11, Iowa state travels to West Virginia and loses 76 to 71, a pretty um, entertaining game. Although West Virginia led the majority of the first half, Iowa state started 2-0 but then West Virginia got ahead and never trailed again until um, Iowa state punched back in the second half, did a nice job, but West Virginia was right there. They, they took the lead back and had it for a while. And here's the closing stretch. Indiana, or excuse me, Iowa State gets a layup from Jaron Holmes with like a minute 29 to go. They're up 71-70. And you remember that final score, 76-71. That means West Virginia over the final 89 seconds goes on a 6-0 run to put down Iowa State. And that's an Iowa State team that prides itself on its defense. Uh, you could compare them to Tennessee, but I trust their offense a lot more than Tennessee. So, so don't think of it in that way. And Man, the Big 12 is just brutal. Remember, we've talked about probably the team that wins this conference is that who kind of beats up on Texas Tech, West Virginia, and the Oklahoma schools. Well, <laughs> Iowa State has not done that. They have four league losses, three of which are to those four schools. Remember that historic letdown against Texas Tech this game and then against one of the Oklahoma schools. Like You, you just can't do it. The, the funny thing, though, is they're beating some of the other top tier schools. And so balancing it out in that way. So Iowa state uh, still trust them, but it's just, I think this is more about the big 12 is a gauntlet, an absolute gauntlet. However, uh, another team in the big 12 that, uh, let's not let them sneak up on us. Shall we say that sleep on Baylor, the bears at your own risk. In fact, never sleep on a bear. That's dangerous. That's some just free advice from me to you today. This team is coming back. Jonathan. just a reminder. Jonathan Chamwa Chachua is back now and playing. Baylor's ready to go. Watch out. Don't sleep on them. Well, as we said, coming up in just a second, we're going to get into some Indiana basketball with Mr. Jacob Rood. Back to back big time wins for the Hoosiers. What's ahead uh, and how did they do that? We're going to talk about it in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel. And we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in all of America. And if you're new to FanDuel, even better. They have so many great features that makes betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Plus, the app is safe, secure, and it's super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid instantly your winnings. So join FanDuel today at fanduel.com slash locked on to claim that no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. Once again, that's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Well, we might not have thought this earlier in January, but the Indiana Hoosiers all of a sudden are rolling, coming off a weekend win over the number one team in the land, Purdue, handing them just their second loss of the season, and then following it up by not having the emotional breakdown you expect by knocking off Rutgers on Tuesday night. Jacob Rude from Locked on Hoosiers is here with us today to unpack where Indiana's at right now, these games, what's been going on, and then in a little bit, we will forecast ahead to the rest of the season and what to expect out of this wacky Big Ten. But, Jacob, let's start there. Back on Saturday in a me back to the emotion of that moment, if you would, before we even talk about the the outcome of the game. What, what was – the, the feeling you got from, from the Indiana fan base um the, the expectations, obviously coming into that game, there had been a loss at Maryland just before. And so, so where was, where was the collective mindset? Uh,
1: it, certainly excitement. Uh, that was probably the, everybody kind of in recent memory, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this in recent memory, IU against Michigan in 2013, it was number one versus number three, It's kind of this holy grail of, like, the environment in Assembly (laughs) Hall. It was madness. And there were a lot of comparisons to that on Saturday heading into that game. Fans had lined up, like, six, eight hours beforehand. They were making, like, plans so that the lines could be inside because it was, like, frigid outside. I think it was in the 30s (laughs) on Saturday. So it's a fan base that they'd gotten back behind – Indiana like you said it, it looked grim there for a while they'd gotten back behind Indiana it really that Maryland loss it was frustrating but it didn't really dampen anything yep. it's yep. I mean with a Purdue game a rivalry game like that uh, it it doesn't take a lot to be excited and I use just kind of had this circled all year Purdue's been really good and so IU always has that circled and there's always this big brother, little brother rivalry which whoever's the big brother and little brother kind of depends, but IU likes to think it is. So they always kind of have that circled wanting to, to kind of put Purdue in its place. And on this occasion, it worked. It hadn't worked a lot. They'd beaten us nine <laughs> times before last season. So we had been the little brother for a while, but on this occasion, it was a, an incredible atmosphere and just a ton of emotion heading into that one.
0: I'll tell you this, Trace Jackson Davis looked like the little brother standing there next to Zach Eadie, but <laughs> everybody, <played. does. laughs> Goodness gracious. But, uh, I mean, coming into this game, let, let's talk about the game itself a little bit. At halftime, the Hoosiers are up 15. Obviously, Zach Eadie got his in this game, finishes with 33. But outside of him, only Fletcher Lawyer got to double digits for Purdue. What, what was kind of Mike Woodson's game plan that allowed the Hoos to bring this
1: one together? Yeah, it wasn't necessarily let Zach Eadie do whatever and just kind of shut everyone else down explicitly. Uh, that's kind of what it became. <laughs> Trace Jackson Davis did what he could on Zach Eadie. He's just a really damn good player. <laughs> and so it was still there was a lot of focus on the other guys and mm-hmm. not letting them beat you as well because you kind of know Edie's going to get what he's going to get. It's a lot of the other guys that when they have contributions, it's what really does you in. so Indiana really focused on putting pressure on that kind of young backcourt and not even cutting off the service to Edie early on. That's how they get that big lead in the first half, a ton of turnovers, that atmosphere kind of paid off in that Purdue looked very rattled for probably the first time all season in the first half. And I think they had nine turnovers in the first 10 minutes, something along those lines. So uh, it was a defensive intensity that Indiana's had. Uh, They had it a lot last year. It kind of wavered this year. That's been one of the biggest differences in this recent run is that's come back. And you really saw it in that first half because they were turning Purdue over. They weren't even letting the ball get to Edie because I mean, as you saw in the second half, once it gets to him, it's kind of too late at that point. And so
0: game over, they weren't even yeah.
1: letting him get the ball. And that was kind of the, the biggest part to getting up 15 points at halftime.
0: Well, speaking of that Indiana backcourt and and some problems for, for Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith there, um, there was a scary moment for Jalen Huchifino in this game. You know, it was basically, as I saw it, it was TJD taking over the first half, JHS taking over the second half. Yeah but uh, I mean goodness gracious this guy though just gets back up and gets right back to it what like what are, what are the feelings there as, as that happens you're like man Jalen Hood could be down this could be the thing that allows Purdue to come back and win this thing
1: yeah it's uh, a little bit of here we go again is kind of what was seeping in <laughs> because we'd already don't have Xavier Johnson right. we didn't have race Thompson for I can't it was about five six games or so uh the they've battled a lot of injuries trace was far from 100 percent early in the season with some back injuries so iu has been a little bit luckier in terms of injuries and just that nobody else is getting injured they're trying to bring guys back so when he went down it was kind of like are you serious like we had just gotten this kind of gotten the ship righted again and uh it was a little scary i i he kind of talked about it afterwards and he said he, his leg kind of crumpled, but then like it was just more like he was scared of what might have happened, and once he got up and like walked around, he's like, oh, I'm fine. And, and so he just went out and, <laughs> and kind of dominated down the stretch and sealed the game. So it was a scary moment, but I'm glad he's healthy because he has been a stud and kind of everything that we expected him to be. There have been some off nights, as there are with freshmen, but... I mean, especially at the end of that game, he made some of the biggest plays of the night. Yes, indeed, and and not
0: as big a game like against Rutgers, kind of cooled off a little bit on Tuesday night. But, yes, he was so integral to the second half of that game. Now, going back to the Trace Jackson Davis of it all, this dude just is (laughs) piling up performances. Let me remind everyone, Purdue, 25 points, seven rebounds, a steal, an assist, five blocks, Jacob Root, and then Rutgers, 20 points, 18 rebounds, six assists. This dude is four assists shy of a triple-double on Tuesday night and a block. What What is Trace Jackson Davis doing to just turn this up to the next level?
1: Ooh, uh, he's doing everything. It has been <laughs> something special to watch. Uh, it, it kind of flipped. He he was injured, like I said, early in the season. He wasn't 100%. We, we didn't really know as much of the time, but those Kansas and Arizona games, he wasn't 100%. He didn't play over the holiday period. He went like three and a half weeks between games. And even when he came back against Iowa, he wasn't 100%. But I mean, basically, since that Iowa game through last night, uh, which is most of Big Ten play, it's 23 points, 14 rebounds, and 54% shooting with three and a half blocks a game. Like, I think he's doing things. Uh (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll settle for that. Um, (laughs) If we have to. He he uh, he's doing things where it's like, like last night for example, I I might I don't know how much I was in the minority or not, but like you watch him play and it's like, man, he's having a, a good trace game, and then you look and it's twenty eighteen and six, and it's like, oh damn, that's like a really good game. So like, he's kind of almost normalized some of these games where like it's absolutely absurd what he's doing. When you look like last night's an example, I looked at the end of the game and I was like, oh god, he almost has twenty and twenty, and. So I like type it in and look, and like this is only the thirteenth time that stat lines happened since 2010, and it, it each time he he plays, he seems to do something along those lines where it's like, oh, this has only happened twice since you know 1990, or he's uh his month of January. It was like it had only happened like uh, Tim Duncan and I can't remember the other person that like the only two people to have ever averaged that over a month, and so it's like he's playing at a level where. It's hard to even like explain. Like he he's just playing at this absurd level, national player of the year, where like he's just putting the team on his back. Everybody knows who's getting the ball, what he's gonna do, and he has just such an array of moves and uh, an ability to get to the rim. And IU uh, Mike Woodson's done a good job of. There were times last year where it was just kind of throw the ball into him and then just let things happen, and they've done a better job of getting him the ball in positions where he can take advantage of defenders and he's on the move a little bit more. And it's not just simply walk the ball up the court, throw it into the post, have four guys stare at him and see what happens. There's a lot more movement that um, has led to absurd play. I've never seen in college anybody kind of play like this. He's doing it on both ends of the floor. He's uh, everything (laughs) – I used played well as a team in a lot of regards, but offensively, he's everything for this team. So to come in every night and know you're like the number one thing at the top of the scouting report and still be able to do this has been something special to watch
0: that and yet is massive to me to be the number one on the scouting report. And yet you keep doing this over and over again. Love to see how Mike Woodson is taking advantage of what trace Jackson Davis is able to do that. Really not many other bigs around the nation are well, Hopefully, he will be able to continue this, and it's going to spur on continued success for the Hoosiers down the stretch. That's the hope for the folks in Bloomington, Indiana, anyway. What's that going to look like? We'll talk about it in just a second. Okay, Indiana. Jacob Rood has won seven of their last eight games after that loss at Penn state, which capped a three game losing streak with just a loss to Maryland in the midst of it right now, as we record, there are seven games left in the big 10 season, at least for Indiana. Some, some good news. Race Thompson has been back of late continuing to work his way in. Um, As we look down the stretch, For Mike Woodson's club, I think one of the biggest glaring question marks to help really get to where the Hoosiers want to get is, where are we at with Xavier Johnson?
1: Uh, That's a great question. There have been improvements in kind of the timeline. IU is always very murky about timelines with any athlete injury. It's just kind of a, a program policy, women's basketball, men's basketball, football whatever it is. So he went down. They told us he had surgery. We don't know what the injury was. Uh, When it first happened, though, there was a lot of if he comes back, and we hope he comes back. And now it's more I'll be back, but we don't know when. Like Andy Katz in the Rutgers game said he talked to Xavier Johnson. Xavier Johnson said he'll be back this season. But as you said, there's only seven games left. So we don't really know when he's coming back. He has – been working out before games, going through some shoot around stuff and some drills and just general workout. He hasn't done anything more than that publicly. He he still comes out in a walking boot, which I know a lot of times is just kind of precautionary, precautionary but
0: yeah.
1: yeah, it's so there isn't a timeline. It seems like he's close, but again, as you said, there's there's not a lot of time left. There's only about 3 weeks left in the regular season, so there hasn't been a lot of time where we've had the starting five that we expected uh, coming into the season, the more time that we can get that group together and playing the better, because um, they're, they're just simply running out of time now.
0: (laughs) Running out of time is the thing. Got to get Xavier Johnson back in and going, because as we know, in March, elite guard play is what helps seal the deal. Speaking of which it feels like right now, as we've kind of been talking about, it's the two triple initialed guys who are the two headed monster of this team and trace Jackson Davis and Jalen hood, Shafino Jacob. I think the thing that's important that, that a lot of people are going to want to look at is, when teams are able to eliminate one or both of those guys, who is that third person to rise up? Is it Xavier Johnson, if he gets back? Is it Race Thompson? Who can consistently step in and be like, hey, I'm going to be the third amigo. Give me that sombrero and let's
1: rock this thing. The good news is, uh, as we've kind of said, Trace has been so good, they haven't needed that necessarily, but there have been nights where Jalen has struggled a bit, and it's kind of a revolving door. Against Rutgers, it was Miller Copp who had 18 points. It's this odd thing where he just always plays incredibly well against Rutgers. I'm sure Rutgers fans absolutely hate it, but he he always plays uh, really well against them. I think his two highest scoring games this season are against Rutgers. Um, But there's been different guys against Wisconsin earlier in the season. It was Trey Galloway and Tamar Bates. Um, There's been times against Illinois in the first half. It was Malik Renew. There's just kind of this this surrounding cast. Early in the year, we talked a lot about the depth IU had. That depth was immediately put to test, and that was one of the reasons IU struggled so much is that having kind of depth off the bench, especially when it's young guys, is one thing, but a lot of those guys were thrust into positions they kind of weren't ready for, and so they had to learn real quick how to survive the Result is now they know how to survive. So your Tamar Bates your Trey Galloway's your Miller cops uh, Malik renews. All those guys have those game reps now are much more comfortable. There isn't any one guy that ends up being the third guy. Uh, ideally it'll be Xavier Johnson. When he comes back, he was very much, he was a second guy on the team uh, early in the season. So, It would be some combination of those three if everything goes according to plan when he comes back. But um, the benefit for Indiana is the depth they've had and the ability for them to just have somebody step up on any given night.
0: And that's allowed trace, or excuse me, Jalen Hutchchafino to certainly uh, lean into what he's gonna have to do more and more. The, the question just always becomes, we've seen these late season reentries go really well. and yep. we've seen them go really poorly. And so hopefully for Indiana folks out there, uh, Xavier Johnson's reemergence, whenever that is, will be uh, a, a positive. For me, as I look at it, Jacob, one of the things that you know, y- you kind of wish you already knew, what that third is so that you could have it pretty mm-hmm. solidly. But in terms of other teams scouting, you, you kind of like that fluidity yeah. of, you, you know, it's going to be Trace, you know, 75% of the time it's going to be Jalen. Mm-hmm. And then outside of that, good luck figuring out who to stop on any given night because any of these dudes could go for 15 or 20. And while so while you might like to cement that third, and that was even the question I was asking, There, there's a lot of, potential benefit to the unknown of who uh, number three might be in this thing. Now, as we look down the stretch to this seven game run that's left that we already talked about, as we record, Indiana is 17 and seven overall, eight and five in big 10 play. As we were talking about before we got on, there are behind Purdue and then ahead of Nebraska, Ohio state, which yikes, what's happened to them and Minnesota, there are 10 teams within two games of second place in the loss column. Six of them are all knotted with five losses in the loss column right now. And so as I look specifically at Indiana's closing run at Michigan, at Northwestern, home Illinois, at Michigan State, at Purdue, that's a doozy back-to-back right there. And then you wrap up with home to Iowa, home to Michigan if I'm handicapping this thing, I'm probably looking at four and three. And I know that might seem like negative, but man, in this muddled big 10, that's probably actually like just to go above 500 down the stretch is a big win. Let me give it to you over under that four wins and three losses that I'm throwing out.
1: Um, that feels fair. I Looking at the schedule, if I had to pick, I would probably say over just because of how well Indiana's playing. The caveat is this team still has kind of struggled away from home a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, they beat Illinois, but I mean, that was one of traces greatest games ever in that <laughs> one. Uh, he had 35, nine and five with three blocks. Um, and so they won that game even against Minnesota when Minnesota was down to like seven people, they, made that game way too close. Yeah. The Maryland game you mentioned is one they lost. They're still not a great road team and four of those games left are against road teams. Um not the as difficult of road games. That's right. Michigan and Northwestern are are the easier of the two or easier of the two road games they've had this season outside of Minnesota. Uh and then I'm going to back this team at, at home at this point in any game. So sure. Uh, they're going to be favored in, in at least three of those games. And um, I think they could potentially win, you know, Michigan Northwestern, something like that. So uh, the the stretch they just went through the last four games was kind of the big toughest stretch they had left home against Ohio state, which, I mean, I guess at the time felt like a, a big game. It, it, <laughs> as you said, I don't know what's happened to Ohio state. Uh, But then at Maryland, who is just unbelievable at home for some reason. Yeah, they've got Uh, big splits. Yeah. And then Purdue and Rutgers back to back. To go three and one during that stretch, I think is realistically about as good as you could have expected. So four and three probably seems about right. If anything, I might lean a little bit more towards five and two, but I wouldn't be mad going four and three the rest of the way because, as you said, the Big Ten is just kind of a mess. Four and three might be enough to. <laughs> finish second in the Big Ten the rest of the way. I, I think IU really at this point is just kind kind of eyeing the double bye, finishing in the top four spots. And um That's the goal. Yep. Yeah, boosting that that resume with any kind of big wins. I I don't know that there's anything that's gonna really boost the resume outside of that Purdue game left the rest of the season, but um just kind of maintaining they're kind of a four or five seed right now based on most bracketology. So four and three probably seems pretty realistic to me. I think so too, but I I also
0: wouldn't bat an eye and have no quibble with that five and two. Ken Palm predicts a five and two record down the stretch there. Um, Somebody asked me a couple weeks ago whom I thought would be um, second in the Big Ten, and at that point I said I'd be curious to see what Michigan State, how they close, but if I were picking again today... Boy, I have besmirched the Indiana Hoosiers, and I would circle (laughs) back around and take Mike Woodson's club if I were re-answering that question again today. Should be a great race down the stretch. Race, uh, pun not intended, but I should have, (laughs) down the stretch of the Big Ten season. Jacob Rude, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. As always. That's it for today's show. My thanks to Jacob Rude for joining us. And uh, don't forget, I'm going to tell you one more time. Don't trust Tennessee. Give me the Crimson Tide all day long. Please make sure to subscribe to the show. Smash the like button and comment. We're getting close to that 500 marker on YouTube. Would love for you to help us get there. Please leave the show a review on iTunes. That helps so much as well. As always, my apologies to the Lawyer family. And until tomorrow, peace.